the, the turtle fight, you know, half of our Mandalorian armor pieces had gone to the bottom of the lake and my my amazing set crew was like in there with waiters trying to pull out these pieces so (laughs) every every piece so difficult oh my gosh it's it's amazing um like john no more water monsters yeah i know exactly no more lakes no more giant lakes Welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I am your host, Spencer Williams, and thank you so much for joining me for another bonus episode. This is it, everyone. We are at the end of our Star Wars month, and it has been an incredible month. When Elizabeth and I set out to do the Star Wars month, we thought we were just going to be talking about The Empire Strikes Back, possibly The Mandalorian, and just call it a day. Uh, We were so lucky to have Natalie Lucia on to talk about Empire Strikes Back and the lovely Kevin Ochoa to talk about The Mandalorian. But then some great opportunities came to us, and we were granted the ability to talk to three incredible costume designers. First, it was Sutra and Lar Larb, where we talked about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Then we had Michael Wilkinson on to talk about his work on Andor. And now I'm so excited to say that we're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3 with my dear friend, costume designer, Shauna Terpsik. And I am such a fan of Shauna's work. She is so passionate. I Just talking to her is so inspiring. You can tell that this is someone who truly loves what they do. And that shows in her work. It's just She's a real nerd about star Wars, which I truly appreciate because she really has such an attention to detail. And I just, I really appreciate it. And I love talking to her and I know that you're all going to love this interview with that. Let's get into the summary. After the fall of the galactic empire, a lone bounty hunter navigates the outer reaches of the galaxy and forms a bond with a mysterious creature. Meanwhile, dark forces gather to reclaim their power over the new Republic. Diving behind the costumes, The Mandalorian was created by Jon Favreau, and costumes for Season 2 and 3 of The Mandalorian were designed by Shauna Terpsik. You will know Shauna for her work on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Firefly, Angel, Much Ado About Nothing, The Cabin in the Woods, and The Book of Boba Fett, for which she was nominated for an Emmy and won a Costume Designers Guild Award. Uh, We also did an interview for the Book of Boba Fett that is on the Art of Costume blogcast. I will put a link to it in our show notes. But that was the first time I really got to meet Shauna. And I just knew that she already was someone that I wanted to spend a lot of time with. She is so cool. You will love that interview. And also, she recently worked on the upcoming TV series for Disney Plus, Ahsoka. And you know I'm going to be all over that. So you could trust that this is not the last time Shauna will be on the podcast. And with that, I'm so excited for you all to listen to this interview. We really get into everything that makes a Mandalorian special. We talk about Din Djarin's Mandalorian armor. We talk about creating some characters for live action, translating those animated costumes into real tangible costumes that special moment with ahmed best which is just such a beautiful story uh, brought tears to my eyes and just what it's like to work on a universe that has such a incredible legacy that shauna has really made a name for herself in i know you're all gonna love this episode you're gonna fall in love with shauna and i'm so excited for you all to listen but first let's take a little break when we come back we'll be joined by costume designer 
Shauna Terpsik. to welcome back to the podcast our friend costume designer shauna terpsik hey shauna hey how are you so good to be back it's so good to have you back i i can't believe you're back actually i thought it was gonna be a one-time thing when we did it last so (laughs) a special occurrence (laughs) well i'm so excited to talk about the mandalorian for all those listening last time we were talking about the book of boba fett for which you won a costume designer guild award by the way which is super awesome Um, But I'm really excited today to really get into The Mandalorian, where it all started. Um, So I have a million and two questions. So buckle up. (laughs) Well, first, I want to dive into the background. You know, The Mandalorian is one of the world's most talked about shows right now. Very guilty of watching every single episode a thousand times. It's very detail oriented, very aware of the universe and the legacy, yet still innovative every episode you see something new you know maybe a new costume or a new character new world so i guess just for some background like how long do you and your crew usually have to prep for this how many costumes it just feels so massive to me yeah we usually get about 16 weeks um to prep and um we get all the scripts pretty much in good shape you know before we even start um prep uh, john is really good about letting us know what we're getting into. And so we can kind of prep all eight episodes at once. And um, yeah, so when you're out shopping, you're able to shop for the future and, you know, you kind of got the the broad arc of what, of what you're in for. Um, I mean, thousands of costumes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, every time, I don't know, it's, it's a lot, you know, um, during COVID, obviously uh, we reduced quite a bit. We did do digi doubles, you know, up on the screen and stuff like that, digital uh, background. But now we're all we're all real. We're all able to, you know, get on the streets and get in the volume. And um, it's been amazing and wonderful to create these different worlds. So honestly, wherever we go, it's a whole new vibe, whether you're in Navarro or, you know, Coruscant, it's a whole new group. So, I mean, like, I mean, I, thousands, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> the limit does not exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and how much does research play a role in this project? Do you know, I mean, I know you personally, and we're both big Star Wars nerds. So I assume you're consuming a lot of the Star Wars culture. But, you know, what? so what does that research process look like for you? So beyond Star Wars culture, which I, I, I'm constantly revisiting, like constantly, constantly, even in just like while I'm eating lunch, I'm flipping through a Star Wars book just so that I, I'm really saturated in it. Um, but if there's something specific, like say, I don't know, like, like, well, on Navarro, you know, they deal with lava and they deal with, um, you know, so I figure mining, some of the people should have a, a mining vibe, you know, you know, some of the people that have to dig underground for these flows, you know, so you start to research, research cultures that live on volcanic islands and, and what they do and what they look like and, and how they deal with that kind of stone and how they build and, so a lot of my uh, research um, that Alyssa helps you with a ton. She was um, she, Alyssa Alcala. She's my assistant costume designer on those shows. 
I'll give her a subject or, or like five different subjects from five different cultures and like research, you know, how these people handle um, um, agriculture on a volcanic island and what they wear and research how miners on this kind of island, you know, all these different things. And, and, and then she'll just give me these amazing images. And, and then, you know, she's, she has a different background and she has a different interest. I mean, she, she's a, she's a savant when it comes to Star Wars information, but she also has, you know, she's really into um, K-pop. And so she'll, she'll slip in, you know, some other <laughs> things that I wouldn't even think of, which I'm like, oh my gosh, that's an amazing detail. And that's why collaboration and, you know, Gio and Frederick, my, my, my background people will, will bring me an article that, you know, or, or a stone that they found in a shop, you know, in the middle of the Wiltshire district. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, we should go with, you know, <laughs> the research is a, is a constantly moving force throughout everything we do. That's so cool. And there's always like different perspective too from all your different crew members, which is important as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so fun already. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into a question I've actually been dying to ask you ever since season three started when we saw the Mandalorian covert come together. I immediately thought I was like, wow, I know that Shauna's workshop is looking real crazy right now. <laughs> so uh, tons of pieces. They're all different colors. I just have to ask you, how did you and your crew pull off all these different Mandalorians? I'm sure this process. I mean, there's even child Mandalorians at this point. Yes. So yes, that was a really fun part. So um, so it was me and my crew, my beautiful, beautiful crew. So um um, the, the producers at Star Wars, Colin Wilson and, and you know Kathleen Kennedy and, and John and Dave and them, it made it available for us to get into a giant warehouse. And with that, I was able to build my own creative crew, my own custom building crew. And um, so we had to get a bunch of people in the union because there weren't a ton out there. You know, they're they're all working in different shops. And so I wanted to build my own shop where we would always be collaborating. We would always be side by side. So my artists, my painters, um, Tony and Judah, and then my sculptors like like um, Eric and and um, Marcus, and then George we brought in all kinds of people. We would we would all start to collaborate. And one of the things that these guys came through would be the Clone Wars, right? And so there would there would be leftover pieces that they picked up from the battlefield and had to, you know, like say one of their Bascar pieces were lost or or you know was. Like, like like the dented helmet, you know, maybe one got dented and, and, and they had to lose it, you know, so there's different things that could have happened to their armor. So I, I saw for a ragtag group, the group that coming out of the cave, I wanted it to look like they've been through a war and so that they had to, maybe there's some stormtrooper parts, maybe there's some clone parts, I don't know, maybe there's some parts that they bang together and are just plates. And then as we as we started dressing the background, and I teach I treat each background artist like a principal because you know Boba Fett was once a background person, and you know right exactly. Now look at him. So we also um, we, you know keeping in mind the history, keeping in mind the animation and the video games and and all all the inspiration. You know th then then we incorporate all the history bits. Well then you start doing fittings with actual human beings, and. These the the background people. Um, so some of the some of the kids had special needs, and, and some you know some of the helmets weren't working for them. And so we're like, well, what would a society who's part of the religion is having the face covering do to to deal with people? Um, you know, to help um, promote people with special needs and help to encourage them to live within you know the, the way they want to live. You know, and so we built these leather helmets. You know. And some of them wow. have opened back so that they would have a little more movement within the helmet. And, you know, so the, the evolution of the costume 
comes from all the art, different artisans working together. And then when you start to create a society, a group, these, these sort of um, like, I don't know, individualisms come up that you're like, oh, you really know how to wear a cape and let's do this. And oh, <laughs> you know, putting a panel over here would look great. And oh, you know, there's a, there's a tear and a patch. And, you know, that working with the actors then makes the, the character grow. And, and it was really a, an awesome uh, honor and privilege to work with the different needs of the different, I don't know, I don't know, players and to, to come up with what was, they would sort of emote the best in this, in this world. That is so exciting. And I love that you brought up the different pieces too, because, you know, there's one coming out of the cave in a picture we're looking at and his yeah. leg is white armor. And to me, I was like, that's definitely clone trooper yeah. or stormtrooper <laughs> armor, yeah. which is so cool. <laughs> that's where the nerds out there. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, when we get into the, um, the survivors, they're, they're even more battled down and they're even more resourceful. Right. Like, some of theirs are just that beaten down plates. And then, and then there's, you know, the, then there's the night owl group or the former night owl group who are, who are more sophisticated militaristic. So, so you and I have never specifically talked about Din Djarin's armor before. So we've now seen this armor pass through two seasons and a book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Is this a costume that is upgraded each time? I have a feeling it doesn't just get put in a closet and you pull it out each season. No, so um, season one, um, Joseph Coro was the costume designer and Legacy built the costume. Um, season two, I took over the costume with um, with my crew. So we did some adjustments, what we could with, you know, working with Pedro and like what what he felt best with. And, and, um, and um, of course, Brendan and, and Latif. So season three, we were we rebuilt the whole thing. You know, we, we, we brought it down to the bare bones. We worked very closely with Latif and the stunt department and with Bre Brendan Wayne and um, to figure out how it was going to move the best. And of course, Pedro and the look. And so it's gone through an evolution. But the basic, the basic, I don't know, heroic look is the same. So you right. should notice the changes. They're subtle. Um, but yes, you know, he he just like um, just like Boba Fett where there were upgrades, his were more noticeable because he went from being, you know, wanderer of the desert to having, you know, you know being right. the leader of Different a town. Different colors and all that. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to, you know, get into the paint shop and the body shop and really fix things up. <laughs> Dinjarin is still, you know, he's still a nomad. So he's not going to go through as drastic of a change, but yeah, there's definitely changes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even sort of point out, I mean, he's, he's iconic, you know, so you can't really, do too big of a change. I mean, obviously the one big change was when he put on a new jetpack. Right. You know, he took the jetpack from one of the soldiers. And so, um, but that, that was the only like drastic change. Right. I only asked because I don't, something about the season to me, it did look like, I don't know, like he polished it or something. Something about it was oh, different sure. or just like slightly yeah. cooler this season. No, I don't know no. how. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we definitely upgraded the paint job. That's, that's, that's a for okay. sure. Because he is, he is less, less of a uh, gypsy at this point. He's, he's more in his ship and he's more of a father and he's, you know, yeah, he's cleaned up a bit for yeah. sure. <laughs> he's ha he has to look good for Din Grogan. Yeah, yeah. He has to be a respectable father figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my favorite thing in costume design is the breakdown process. I could talk about it forever. It's so fascinating to me. 
Um, and our heroes go through a lot of action and trouble in this season. So with that being said, I imagine maybe the costumes we've seen in this series uh, must go through a breakdown process, whether it's the aging of the fabrics, making it look a little bit more worn. How does that work on The Mandalorian? So Carol is the head of my aging and dyeing department. And um, I have been an ager and dyer myself when I was starting out. It's very much an artistic journey. And what I try to do is I get her pieces that have um, been through a, a long, like old pieces that I'll get from a thrift store to show the natural way a fabric would break down. And, um, and also she has vast amounts of knowledge. And then, you know, we, we do everything from putting them in a um, cement mixer with stones and just like letting it roll around and around, wow. and around <laughs> to, to make the fabric thinner, especially like when we were working with Ahsoka in season two, episode five, you know, we had to give her that that seven samurai wanderer, you know, worn fabric look, but I, you know, I, I, I was using brand new silks. And so I had to find a way to get them that like they've been battered and washed in a stream and then dried in the sun and then worn and then washed in the, you know, so all of our, all of our crew, um, you know, my painters, Judah and Tony, again, we're going back to them, you know, that we think about the hits and we, and we try to carry the, especially on armor, carry the hit through, like if it bounced off the chest, like where would it hit next? Or did it just go off? Or, and, and, and with the clothing, it's, it's wearing the fabrics down. So nothing looks like it's just off the shelf, except for if you're in Coruscant, they had it more. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have the washer and dryer. Yeah. Yeah. Coruscant. They got a washer and dryer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, you know, of course we have to keep up, you know, through eight episodes and you're shooting for, you know, six to eight months and, you know, new hits happen and new rubs and, and you got to get rid of those and, and get them back to the way they were. And you have to keep that consistent, you know, because they're fighting, you know, they're fighting monsters. And uh, like, like, are we going to establish that as a hit and keep it through the entire series? Or are we going to clean it up and buff it out and, you know, and not carry it through the series? So there's a lot of discussions that happen as they fight because we don't necessarily shoot in order. And so we have to make sure that uh, continuity wise that we're, keeping up with everybody's <laughs> injury <laughs> tears and patchwork. And oh my goodness, by the end of the, the, the turtle fight, you know, half of our Mandalorian armor pieces had gone to the bottom of the lake. And my, my dark, <laughs> amazing set crew was like in there with waiters trying to pull out these pieces. So <laughs> <laughs> every, every piece, so every difficult. Piece, oh my gosh. It's, it's amazing. Um, but the majority of it stayed on, but you know, the occasional pauldron would go flying in my court. <laughs> like John, no more water monsters. Yeah, no, exactly. no, more lakes. no more giant lakes. Um, yeah. But, um, but so we, so it's a, it's a lot of work and, and I have um, my set crew too has um, a giant sort of cart, uh, like a three shelf cart full of paints and, and, and charcoals and rubs and everything that you can imagine, you know, to break things down on the set. If they're not, if we realize, oh my gosh, that person wasn't supposed to go in the water. Now they're going in the water. How are we going to deal with that? And, you know, and, and salt, you know, the stuntman salt will start to form around where they're sweating and we have to rub that out. And so that they match from when they, when we shot them two weeks Jeez. ago. And, yeah. I didn't think of the salt. Rate, you know? I so, did not think of the salt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So there's a lot of, a, a lot of action behind the scenes and I have the most amazing support group in the universe. Like you, you're only as good as your crew and to keep the, to keep these beauties consistent um, keeping something the same amount of age through eight months of shooting is a task. 
It's brilliant. And it just really shows like how incredible costume design is and how essential it is to storytelling because, you know, cost, these costumes are not just being found in a warehouse somewhere. It goes <laughs> through such a process before it gets on camera. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, a character, I've talked to you about this before. I believe my favorite costume this season was armor worn by Bo-Katan. You know, me being a big Star Wars nerd, I love the Clone Wars. I love Rebels. So the second I saw Katie show up as Bo-Katan, like actual tears. <laughs> With that being said, I I feel like the armor got even stronger this season. And that color on her is just so brilliant. So what was it like bringing to life this set of armor, especially coming from a animated format? You know, we saw her in season two, but this is our first time talking about it. Yes. Well, um, I really, really took my direction from the animation. And in the animation, you can see her figure. I don't know if you have a full... Um, a photo of her full figure and the animation, but she's, she's a woman and she's built like a woman. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I carried that warrior, that feminine warrior look into the realistic character and Katie, Katie, Oh my gosh, she's amazing. And she was fully on board with creating armor that, that w- would fit on a feminine body. You know, we, right. we, we wanted to, <laughs> you know, give her the, the form of a woman and then, you know, and then bring in her waist and then, you know, and then, you know, just, I don't know, just celebrate the feminine because she's 100% warrior and she's 100% woman. And so um, that was important to me to stay loyal to the animation and what, um, what Dave and that group had, had, had started with. And then the color, we wanted to pop that up a little bit this season because she was um, she was being featured a lot more and she's back in her castle and it's kind of like Boba Fett, you know, you're able to kind of like polish up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's, she's, she's not as clean as Boba Fett got, you know, because she, you know, she's not going to sit there in a paint body shop. So we try to do it subtly just to show a different, I don't know, atmosphere or a different situation. Um, she's, she's, She's her arc is amazing, and she's going to be rising to a new position, you know, to the position she the position she's always wanted. But honestly, I think that she had to go through this journey to actually feel she deserved it. And um, and we wanted to have armor that celebrated that with her. Yeah, it was so exciting. And I I totally see what you meant by like popping up the colors a little bit. I think that's what stood out to me. And that armor with like the hair color, too, it just pops oh, on screen so beautifully. Beautiful. Yeah. Maria Sandoval nailed the hair. I mean, oh, my gosh. And keeping the, the band in place, you know, it's all a whole set of magnets. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Dinjarn, because I think yeah. I have a new ferret character on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of favorite characters, I feel as though I can speak on behalf of the entire Star Wars fan base when I say that the scene where we saw Ahmed Best appear as a Jedi was one of the best like, of probably the entire series, all three seasons. Uh, the Jedi robes are fantastic, and I was really taken by the embroidery. And I just know there must be a story between. Ahmed and your collaboration and bringing this to life because it it was very short but it packed a punch and it was beautiful. Well, working with Ahmed obviously was a very spiritual experience. I, I've got to say, um, the direction from John was he wanted his robes different. Um, he wanted them to show um, a little bit more of a, a closeness with the Force or a spiritual journey that that. You know, because each Jedi has their own story. Each Jedi has their own path they need to take. And and the way John explained to me, he's like, you know, the embroidery on, on the on the the the, the, the sacred shawls of the Jewish uh, 
I don't know, not, not, it's not a pastor or a priest, but a Jewish leader. And he wanted me to convey that, that idea. And, um, and so I was like, well, you know, what words then like would it be an Arabesh, you know, because, because there's, there's writing, you know, it, like it wouldn't be Hebrew script. It would, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Arabesh, you know, what, what, would what would the writing be? And so I was really, so if you'll see in that, the, the image with the, like the pencil squiggles all over it, that's what I showed John, you know, it's like something like this, right. You know, but I hadn't found the imagery yet. Then I met um, Ahmed and he, he was getting undressed so that we could put the things on him. And I see these tattoos and I'm like, what is the story of these tattoos? And, and he told me, um, he went back to Africa to rediscover his roots and Adinkra symbols are something that spoke to him and his history. He was in a very, very, very dark, dark place when he took this journey. Um, obviously all the bullying of Jar Jar Binks and, and, and all the horrible things that he, he was going through as an actor, as a performer, as a black man, it took a very, very dark emotional toll on his, on his spirit. When he went to Africa to rediscover who he is and who he, you know, so that he'd stop listening to all the, to all the press and, and all the fans, he got these symbols that told of his journey from darkness to light. And it really spoke to me. He really walked me through it. So then I did my own research on Adinkra symbols and, and, through his imagery and through his storytelling and, and his tattoos, and then more research into these symbols, I wanted to tell the story of his walk and of his redemption on his robes, because that's what I feel the ultimate prayer shawl, that's what's called a prayer shawl is. It's, it's the story of the people, the Hebrew people in their walk. And, and, and I wanted his story. And, um, and so through his direction and, and being very inspired by his, his tattoo and his artistry and his path, I then took these symbols and gave them to Luis, um, who's my, who's my, the tailor who built this costume and who did the embroidery for me. So he then designed and did some sketches of it and uh, using the symbols that I'd given him, using the symbols from Ahmed and the direction from John and me and Ahmed. And he mixed them all and did this beautiful thing. And we showed samples to John and he was like, go, you, you got it. It's like, right. <laughs> you know, no questions. Yeah, no questions. <laughs> And so Luis did this embroidery and it, it just, it, it like brought me, it got me misty eyed. Well, presenting the robes to Ahmed was the, oh my gosh, it was like literally like you're holding these robes almost like you would, you know, the sacred robes of the Pope or something. I don't know. And, <laughs> and I presented them to him and he saw his tattoos. He saw his story. He saw his path on these Jedi robes. And it was a very, very emotional experience. Wow. I, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very powerful and very beautiful. And I just, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to really take his story into account and just make it feel special for him. Cause I think that's just what, as the fans, I feel like that's what a lot of us just wanted is that special moment for him. And, you know, you and your team really added to that in such a beautiful way. So thank you, Shauna. It's my honor, my pleasure. <laughs> Like, well, okay, now let's talk about Lizzo. <laughs> you know, like, what a bad transition. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, they're so beautiful. And I love the color. That golden embroidery uh, just really shined too in the green light of the blasters. And you could just tell that he was feeling the best he's ever felt. And he was loving every second of it. Very serious scene, but yes. just, it was very powerful. And, and if, you ever, if, you ever, if you have time, look up some articles that where he describes 
his his view of the force and and how he i mean he really he's a he's a brilliant actor and um and he really does the research and he really comes up with his own story so that it's meaningful to the fans to the viewers because he's believing it in the moment and he's moving it and it's it's you should really take the time to research his his take on the force it's beautiful I am definitely going to do that right after this. I think everyone listening should also take that time as well. Yes. All my beautiful children. I love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so much of what the Mandalorian is includes uh, introducing the audiences to new worlds, which is so exciting. And also revisiting worlds that we haven't seen in a long while, such as Coruscant. Uh, so I really wanted to talk to you about like the world building with Coruscant, but also Plazier 15, where... We were brought some really brilliant cameos from Lizzo, Jack Black, and the Christopher Lloyd, which was crazy. All right. How do you and your team handle design costumes for a planet we've never seen before? Well, for Plazier, we were given a, a rough direction from John of a sort of, um, I don't know, Alice in Wonderland type place where... Well, that was it. Just Alice in Wonderland. And then, that makes um, sense, actually. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and then we got the artwork from Andrew Jones and, and Doug Chang, the production designers. And that helped me see, OK, wow, we're really going there. It's, it was very white and very pristine. And so I wanted the characters to fit within that. But I also wanted them to show up and um, and their new republic. So I'm like, OK, that's my blues that I need to stay with. And she comes. This was her family's, you know, Jack Black's being introduced to her families and her. her. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, the blues. And then, you know, of course, all the people at the table. I wanted, so they're almost like um, couples from different planets coming to a government meeting because these two are the head of the government there. So I figure each couple would represent their country. And, um, and you know, just like you would go to a country in, in Washington, D.C., you know, the people who were maybe from a Maasai background would have some beading or some, you know, some red fabric to represent their area that they're representing. So I wanted each couple at the table to have a sort of um, theme or vibe that looked like they were coming either from a fishing town country or, you know, or an agricultural country, you know, so that they would look like they're from different places. So in order, that's how I kind of created that scene in that world. Then when we get out into the world where they're running around, again, I, I took my direction from, from John and Dave and, and Doug and, and Andrew, where, you know, Taking all into account all the different um, groups of people that would come to this sort of paradise like planet or city built on this planet, I wanted to make sure that I was representing different ethnicities and different um, backgrounds. And so when, when they're running through the crowd, although they're a very wealthy bunch, um, I wanted to make sure that there was that, that the representative vibe of a community that was coming together on purpose, you know. And, um, and working together from all their different backgrounds and all their different interests. And so we had a lot of fun. Um, we, were able, <laughs> we were really able to go there with the, with, with, with the background because we were going to see them all through these long chases, you know, through the streets. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was so exciting. And it was just, you know, like, I love how each episode felt like a different sort of treat in a way where you see new colors, new yeah. costumes, new worlds. You don't know what to expect, which is so exciting. And I mean, seeing Lizzo sitting next to Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd, I mean, that must have been super exciting for you working with all these cameos. Yeah. You know, you try to be um, mature. Uh, yeah, when Try to keep it cool. <laughs> try to keep it cool when you're in a fitting room. 
Um, but yeah, we lost it um, a little bit um, for each one of these. So um, Lizzo, you know, she was, you know, touring the world and has 50 million things going on. So we met, met with her at her home, which is warm and beautiful and has like Star Wars, you know, um, memorabilia and collectibles. And That's so, so she's, cool. de- she's definitely one of us. And, um, <laughs> and we were measuring and we're, we're, we're just um, talking and, and, you know, I get to present her with the illustration. I'm like, welcome to the Star Wars university. She's like, Oh my God. Like it was, just, <laughs> it, was it was wonderful. And then, um, and then Jack Black came to the studio and, um, and he was just jumping around. He was so happy. And we're like, you know, we've showed John your videos when you're doing like the Sith Lord with all the army. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he was so excited there as well. Um, and then Christopher Lloyd came in. And you can't help it. You have to say, sir, I have been a fan of yours. <laughs> you know, you can't help it. You got to. And I've been yeah. a huge fan of, of Jack Black. And I, I I blast Lizzo's music on the way into work like half the time. Just yeah, who doesn't? Going. <laughs> right. So it's like you get to meet and work with your heroes. And and to me, I mean, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are two and Doug Chang are, are three of my biggest heroes. Um but then they bring in really, really authentic, amazing heroes for you to meet along the way. Yeah. So it, what a, what an honor, what a pleasure to work with so all exciting. these guys. And yeah. you know, what I love about it too is it just, it brings joy too for, oh, you know, so we, we're, we're watching a lot of crazy shows all the time you know, yeah. that have a pretty violent or gory. Yeah, so yeah. it's nice to sit down and just see like a happy Jack Black and Lizzo and, yeah. you know, a pleasure 15. It really brings joy and you're able to get your week started after that. Exactly. So. Exactly. It was it was a good palate a palate cleanser. Just right. just be a kid and just giggle. Yeah. While we were making it, we we're like, what are we doing? Yeah, and we're so much fun. Yeah, watching Lizzo feed Din Grogu was definitely oh, a treat. I, yeah. <laughs> well, I perhaps more this season than before. I was really struck by the use of fabrics and textiles. I mean, especially looking at Plazier fifteen. What are you and your team looking for when sourcing materials? So um, Kevin is my my main fabric shopper. And then um, Sheila came in toward the end there. Um, I'm often looking for textures. Um, so even if it seems flat, I'm, I'm looking for textures. I'm looking for matte and shine. I'm looking for otherworldly. So especially when you look at, um, well, the Jedi, um, the, the Tuscans from Book of Boba Fett, it's the, the the textures that sort of set it apart that make it look that help me, especially on the journey that they have taken. You know, Ahsoka from season two, and and then you'll you'll be seeing more of her on her own show. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah, which is like you'll blow your mind. But um, but like so that the like it, this image that we're looking at right now, Lizzo's um, halo in the back. You know, those are all different silk organzas, and then they um, and then they fed them through with embroidery and beads, and and you know, and then um, and then uh, special effects, you know, lit them up. But everything, I try to find things that are going to be interesting to the eye because I know with all the high depth and all the detail, like Christopher Lloyd's fabric, that was just a flat fabric, and then um, Vicky, my my one of my tailors, you know stitched it and quilted it and and came up with this design i gave i gave her a piece that i had found in stock from an, from an old star wars movie and then with with this sort of stitching on it and then she took it incorporated it into the pattern pieces that we were that we had already established for this jumpsuit so a lot of what i take we we make our own fabrics too you know i mean ahsoka's fabric i chose every thread and it was woven on an old-fashioned you know uh 
thing. I'm yeah. uh, we, uh, a loom. Bloom. Yes. <laughs> it was also yeah. lost me too. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, in, you know, in a, a, upstate New York by an amazing woman named rabbit wow. who, who, who invented this fabric for me. Um, and then, then put it on a mechanical loom to, to make yardage, you know, so I really get to make my own textures and fabrics, but I'm often just looking for, um, something that will be interesting to the eye because a lot of star Wars shapes are very basic, very clean silhouettes. And I want to stay loyal to that. And so in order to keep interest, you know, I look, I look back at um, episode four, the original, a new hope, right. That's mm-hmm. episode, well, that's yeah. Four. Designed um, by John Malo. John Malo. Yes. Um, <laughs> that, that, so if you look closely at Obi-Wan's um, over robe, when he's sitting in and talking to Luke Skywalker for the first time, you'll see the stitching on his shoulder, um, right, right, right at the ball of his shoulder. And that's something that the samurai would have done, you know, long journeying samurai. They're constantly caring for and darning and taking care of their clothes. They didn't just, it wasn't like, you know, throw it away. You can't like go out on, to a loom and make your own, you know, new robe. You, you retain the robe you have. And I really, I keep that picture up in, in my office to remind me of, how they made these fabrics last and how they cared for them. And, um, and the textures that John chose for these, for that over robe and then, and then weaving John Malo and then weaving, taking the time to weave that patch into it. It, it's the kind of detail that I want to be held accountable to and, and want to continue to bring. It's that sort of love. And, you know, it took Obi-Wan a long time to darn that he lives by himself. He's an old man. His hands are arthritic and he darned the robe and it just, the kind of love and care and, and honor that goes into that is something that I want to bring into the textures of every costume you see, whether they're wealthy or or on or nomadic. Wow, that's so fascinating! And also, shout out to Kevin, who by the time this comes out, either he was on or is going to be on the podcast he's, he's, too. <laughs> oh, oh yes, yes, he's going to talk about. The oh, listen to that because that child. Oh, he is the most amazing human. <laughs> He's just tireless. It'll be 105 out. And I'm like, no, that's not quite it. And he'll just go out and it just yeah. find me. Uh, okay. Part. Back to the drawing and, board. <laughs> no, he is. And he's got the most beautiful spirit that he just, he, and knowledge of fabrics. So, you know, I'll just say, I needed to do this, 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 this. I, I, I got you. It'll come back with the perfect thing. And I'm just like, ah, I love you. <laughs> well, yeah. That's so cool. I can't imagine the fabric sourcing part. It sounds shopping for fabric sounds difficult. So definitely <laughs> props to your team. Cause <laughs> I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Speaking of good fabrics, too, uh, High Magistrate Grief Karga's back and looking better than ever. Uh, what was your concept behind his new look? So, um, Doug and uh, Doug Chang and Brian Mete had done a sketch, and I wanted to had done a concept piece, and I wanted to take it to the next level, just because, like Boba Fett, I, I just like the art that these characters, you know, he keeps rising to the next level. So, um, I took some piece the basic sort of i don't know the the gold arches that they had drawn on theirs and then took it to the next level with these colors and these the fabrication and then giving them and then changing the under part um i i wanted to bring a more regal look Mm -hmm. to him and um and so again i researched kings and leaders from different cultures and different backgrounds and I, I picked a little bit from each one. I even looked at um, Ruth Carter's work on um, coming to America. <laughs> I, I was just like, I, I, I love her work. And so 
It's funny you say that because I actually can see that influence too. I know oh, exactly right? what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so all that. And then, and then I bring in my tailors, you know, and then I bring in um, Luis who, who draped this for me. And, and I bring in um, Marcus who, who carved the belt buckle and made the, and made the, the necklace, the magistrate necklace. And then my own child upbringing is where I got the green stone. Cause I used to dig through lava flats, uh, digging for green diamonds and, um, oh. On, on Hawaii, my godmother's from from the Big Island, and um, there would be these green stones buried in the lava, and I I used to just dig for them for hours, and um, so I wanted him to have this green green stone, which they which um, I bought one. Well, assist my assistant Alyssa, the assistant costume designer, bought one, and then um, Marcus duplicated it and made multiples for his for his stunts. So, and Kevin found the amazing fabric, that maroon fabric of a shirt, and then this gorgeous red that we went through different fabrics for the, the cape because I needed the drape because we needed to create a structure for the droids to hold his cape up. And it had, you know, to stay up, you know, there couldn't be any weight to it or anything. So, um, so that's an all wire structure under there holding it into that shape for the droids to carry. Well, <laughs> I need some cape carrying droids, by the way, the, the, Perfect life. Right? Actually, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> so the final two episodes of the season welcomes back Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon and his new Praetorian guards. I have to admit, as one of those people that was highly suspicious of the armor when I saw this armor step out, my bad, I'm sorry. But we have to talk about this menacing new look. It was scary. I mean, suddenly, you know, I've Moff Gideon's been defeated a few times. So I was like, yeah, yeah, bring this guy back. Whatever, we'll fight him. He showed up in this and I was like, okay, never mind. He means business this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's and it's Baskard. Um, so this came from the brilliant concept of Doug Chang, Brian Metes, and uh, John Favreau. When when I'm given a drawing that they've really worked on conceptually, I then have to deconstruct and reconstruct to one fit on my actor's proportions because oftentimes the concept <laughs> drawing would look great on a six foot four guy you know <laughs> but um i have my actor and and esposito brings so much presence and so much strength that i need to exaggerate all of his strengths and um and so i worked with my builders um jose fernandez and and his group to bring the armor that was conceptualized, you know, from John's direction and Doug and, and Brian into a, a realistic way onto John's body and onto um, Giancarlo's body. And um, so we worked, I worked really closely with my sculptors and my 3D um, illustrators at, um, with, with, uh, with Jose Fernandez and, and, you know, the, the color of the red and the, and the, the, the drape of the skirt. So the skirts we, in the armor of those guys, um, the, the drape of the skirt, that was all my, my guys at the warehouse. And um, I think that was us. Yeah. Cause I, I have to sometimes <laughs> when we get too much work, I have to go out to different shops to try to get everything. Right. Muta little is another union house and they helped me with Mon Mazda to build, um, to build her when I get too busy. But the, the, like the fabric on my red, red guards um, is, uh, is ultra suede and because Oh wow! Just, yeah, because I've built capes out of ultra suede, and it has sort of this heaviness and this weight to it that that just works. So when Michael Kaplan first did these, it was a much more drapey, um, flowy, which worked perfect for their movement. And but then I was looking at the pre biz from the stunt department, 
And I'm like, okay, that we need something that's going to have a little bit more body and not be quite so drapey because these guys need to be able to step out of this a lot easier. So again, you know, you work with all these different departments and then the prop department with Josh, he was like, okay, you know, the, the weapon for these guys is this long, the weapon for him, you know, so you, so you, you get the concept and then the designer has to choose fabrications and work with the stunts for movement and work with your builders and sculptors. And so the costume designer designs the con the, the, the costume for the character that completes the written story. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the, looking at the Praetorian guards, I remember the first time we saw them in, you know, Michael Kaplan's work, I was like, how did they get that done? I showed up again. I'm like, they're back. This seems like the most challenging costume ever. I just don't, I can't wrap my brain around it. So our guys are different because it, because the empire has, has fallen. And so our guys are a little bit different too. Yeah. 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 They definitely have a little bit more of an edge to them yeah, too. Yeah. Final question. Yes. From an outside perspective, it feels like The Mandalorian has not only changed and innovated television and film, the Star Wars universe, but also your own career. So, Shauna, to end, looking back on the season and the opportunities that have come from it, what does this project mean to you and your crew? Um, well, I mean, I grew up with Star Wars and I and I I always loved it. You know, I, I even watched Corvette Summer because I was so in love with Star Wars because <laughs> I wanted more of Mark Hamill. You know, so, so um, you know, and and you know, um, Star Wars brought me into the you know into the Indiana Jones world because I loved Han Solo. So for me, um, getting this show, so I didn't know who the Mandalorian was, you know. And when I interviewed for the job, when basically we just sat around and talked. I talked with Dave Filoni and 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 John Favreau, and we just kind of sat around the table. And Colin Wilson was sort of, you know, the, the observing producer to make sure everything went right. Um, <laughs> and um, and basically, we just talked Star Wars for probably an hour. And one of the questions they asked me was like, you know, what's a character that you would like to see? Because I was like, who's the Mandalorian? You know, because it hadn't come out yet. And and then they were they were describing to me what season one was going to be like. And, and, and they're like, well, what would you like to see? And I said, oh, you know what? I would love to see like at the end of the Clone Wars when like Sabina or Soka, you know, if they could come back. And they both just like, whoa, OK, you know, Star Wars. Uh -oh. <laughs> they're like hiding the script from you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're like, well, you're going to be pretty happy about episode five, when, you know. So, um, so for me, you know, and of course I, I, you know, I talked to my son before I even went on the interview because my son, I'm more of the movie, movie Star Wars fan where he sees also the, the, the animated, you know, I've, I've seen, I, I love, um, Rebels and Bad Batch and, and all them, but I wasn't as caught up on Clone Wars. Um, I'd only seen, you know, I, I see like the really good ones. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> like, a lot of them. It's okay. Yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> um, but he also knew all the books. Like when, when Ahsoka said Thrawn, I mean, yeah, when Ahsoka asked, um, what's her name, where Thrawn was, he ran upstairs and got the novel. He's like, you have to read Thrawn, right? <laughs> so um, for me, it's, it's a dream come true, obviously. And, um, and, a, and, a, and a great responsibility, but more than anything, working with John and Dave, who are such gracious um, collaborators, has brought me confidence, you know, and, and to my crew as well, um, as we, as we are created as equals, um, they understand that the role of the costume designer is indispensable to storytelling and they make room for that. They make room for, um, my ideas and the ideas of my crew. They respect my set crew. Um, they, they encourage them. A lot of my set crew are longtime Star Wars fans and um, again, have that sort of servant knowledge of every single character and really care. And like, if a belt's put on wrong, they're like, no, they, they, they wouldn't wear it like that. And, you know, it's a true honor 
uh, to be respected and treated like that. And, um, and so it changes you. It really does. It makes everybody want to do better, you know, right. hard. yeah, because you're treated with such respect. It really, it sounds like the dream collaboration that, you know, so many people in the industry don't have that. And it's, you know, it's a really beautiful experience that you get to have. And I'm so happy for you and proud of everything that you've created. And I know that there's more coming that we can't talk about, but very excited for that too. Yeah. Uh, costume designer, Shauna Terpstick. Thanks so much for coming. This was such a joy. Thank you so much for your great work. I appreciate you. The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. is one of the pictures you have is upside down so i'll resend that to you right side up oh, wait which one is it <laughs> yeah one yep that one's upside one? down let yep. me fix it real quick okay good <laughs> that was my bad sorry. there you go there. <laughs> oh do you want that makes more sense now that i'm yeah. looking at it sorry. <laughs> i was my like bad. that's a cool sleeve <laughs> <laughs> we have one more interview and this one is rather near and dear to my heart as we are going to be talking about the Mandalorian with my good friend, costume designer, costume design, <laughs> costume designer. <laughs> that was weird, Daniel. My good friend, costume designer. Oh my gosh, I did it again. What is that, Daniel? Costume designer, Shauna Terpsik. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so taken by why I kept saying that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>